I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Welcome to Wrestle Culture. Look in your feed. What do you see? A podcast about wrestling. It's Wrestle Culture. The boys and me. A quiz where one and one makes three. I'm the podfather of wrestling. I'm at a will. Wow. Bill James and Michael Hamlet from What Good Year to discuss all the goings on in wrestling this week and butcher wrestling themes, apparently. Before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW Dynamite, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Phil and Hamlet. Phil, I thought that was quite appropriate, the murdering of Cult of Personality, because it's happening. I know we talked about this literally last week, but from the way they inferred, let's say, on AEW Dynamite, I think the deal is done. CM Punk is all elite. Can you imagine if this is just another one of AEW overhyping some kind of appearance? <laughs> <laughs> and it all turns out, and it's like Hornswoggle or something. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is, has to happen now. They've gone way too deep into this. It's ridiculous. The little teases with Darby Allen. Um, like Serena Deeves get a t-shirt out saying like the best women's wrestler, but like with women's cross out, what would they done a bunch of other teasers on there as well, wasn't there? MJF uh, referenced the pipe. Of course, yeah. It's yeah, they've gone too far in with this now. It's just got to be a moment of which show is it, which you've got to imagine Rampage if they're desperately going to try and pop a number over there. But it's, I don't know, new show, new time slot, Chuck C and Punk on there. You can't really go wrong, can you? <laughs> Surely this is it's just actually going to happen. The thing that we never said was ever going to happen in the history of ever. Could happen. Bloody wrestling. Never I, say never. I didn't think I could stop being excited about this on a podcast. And now that we're live and in dying colour on WrestleCulture after that intro, I, uh, <laughs> I think I want to uh, stay on the indies. <laughs> like where where they can't afford the rights to that song, and yes, just to just to preserve against this ever happening again. 
I worked really hard on that. <laughs> Good five minutes. It's great. It's great though. It's um the CM Punk was trending on Twitter way in uh, Thursday um afternoon evening. Um, the conversations were all there and backed up from a, the prior week when that rumor was, you know, it, it leaked somehow or it very carefully found its way to social media on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, and then people had a week to ruminate on the idea. AW played this magnificently, like absolutely magnificently. This is aside from the potential of Daniel Bryan coming in at the same time. Um, people had about a week to get excited about the prospect of CM Punk happening. And then as you've said, they've delivered it without having to say his name. They've found every single way to promote CM Punk without saying CM Punk. And what's particularly cool about it is one of the ways in which they've done that is by showing the thing that WWE have tried to avoid showing for about seven years, which is fans chanting his name. Somebody has thought, well, if we just say Chicago and if we just drop in enough references, people are going to chant for him. And it certainly causes WWE no end of bother. We can actually use this to our advantage. The other teasers were cute and they were nice. But as soon as Tony Schiavone said, a big announcement, which had been hyped for a week. It's a show in Chicago and everybody's had this to sit on for a week. It was like really, really inspired stuff. If this was a pay-per-view, it's Rampage, it's just television. You're not, they're not asking for your money. If this was a pay-per-view, people would be buying this to CM Punk in the safety that they were going to be rewarded for their purchase. That's how good this promotion has been already. And, and do you think they're going to actually put Darby Allen versus CM Punk on All Out though, and just announce it on Rampage, and then quickly try and get a bunch of buys for All Out over that weekend? I mean, I think he'll be on the show. I think he'll be at Rampage in person. Um, I, I think Darby Allen will main event that show because he's always their highest quarter hour guy, and he'll be in the last match, and there'll be the most eyes on him in the first episode of Rampage. Um, and then what do you do when you've got the most eyes? You have CM Punk walk out in a building in Chicago and then you get the most eyes the next week too. Yeah, credit where credit is due. Uh, I said CM Punk was going to return to the wrestling ring this year. But also, uh, Mike <laughs> Hampton, you booked uh, a CM Punk return before All Out so he doesn't potentially overshadow a Hangman Page win, which now apparently isn't bloody happening. What's going on? I've literally recorded a podcast yesterday with Michael Sidgwick about what needs to happen at All Out. And guess what? One of the lead things we can talk about on that is. Anyway, that's <laughs> going to be out tomorrow. But we talk about other stuff, including, yeah, CM Punk uh, potentially wrestling Darby Allen. I mean, it'd be a hell of a start. And, and spoilers... Uh, for what Sidri's going to say, I'd love to get your thoughts on this pamphlet. But a, a match leading to a handshake, leading to a team potentially of Punk, Allen, Sting is just insane. I love it, man. I absolutely love it. Everyone um, in AEW finds a way into a trio or a group. And what a brilliant way for CM Punk to find his way into one. Um, not a man known for having too many friends in pro wrestling, builds a mutual respect with the first opponent he faces and has it inbuilt because it's Sting. Like that, that to me is a perfect short-term distraction for CM Punk away from other pretty substantial programs. There's about a million wrestlers you want to see CM Punk face. There's about a million stories you want to see them tell. Um, having him as part of that collective means, like Sting, he doesn't become a weekly dynamite wrestler. All of a sudden, this is not a dig at Christian Cage, and it, and it really isn't. But I don't want to think of it's Christian Cage debuted at Revolution. I don't want if CM Punk debuts all out for three weeks after full gear, 
And next week on Dynamite, it's Christian Cage versus The Blade. And that's not a dig at The Blade either. Uh, sorry, CM Punk versus The Blade. You know, it's not a dig at The Blade. It's just that at this point is a very normal, straightforward singles match between two rank-and-file members of the AW roster, and it behooves them to keep CM Punk this special for as long as possible. You get one chance to have him in, appear in front of a live crowd for the first time. You get one chance to have that first match, that first singles match, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It Like, this company don't need telling. They've got it right over and over and over again. But you kind of got to maximise all of those firsts and stretch out the joy of it as long as possible. Or, Phil, he could be the fourth labour of Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> Just chuck it out there straight away. Uh, yeah, it is, it's just dream match territory, like all over the place with CM Punk. But I think this is also really different to Christian Cage as that situation. Like Christian had wrestling taken away from him. And like all he really wanted to do was be the kind of weekly wrestler who like helps people up and um, like has great matches every week kind of thing. Whereas CM Punk walked out like on his own terms, like he was done with WWE at that time. He was done with wrestling forever and ever and ever. I don't think he's, ever going to be in a position where they want to come back and be that kind of weekly wrestler so it kind of forces AEW to go a different route with him and I think you need to do that with different people that debut in different times not everyone can have the same debut path because then it just gets a little bit boring and like you say you've got to eke out these dream match situations um, along down the line and there's just too many of them <laughs> to actually figure out which one you can possibly do first or second well, we assume this is still going ahead, but it, it may have to be pulled, Phil Chambers, because AW have lost a large amount of revenue in the last <laughs> hours. Uh, Domino's pulling their sponsorship, I suppose, or association. Pizzagate. Yeah, guess. whatever it may be. <laughs> back of that brutal AEW death match featuring Nick Gage uh, and Chris Jericho. Now, Phil, you've spoken in the past about having, you know, shards of glass and thumbtacks and stuff sprayed onto you when you were attempting to film hardcore matches in WCW. <laughs> uh, how did how did this compare? And, and I don't know, what, what's your feelings about death matches? Because mixed mixed feelings in the, in the what culture office and yet a lot of adoration for, for what these two did. I am not completely against death matches. I think being a Mick Foley fan, you've got to be slightly at least intrigued by them I don't think you can have any other way around um, but obviously he got rid of a lot of his deathmatch stylings when he went to WWE um, I think there's a time and a place and so long as you don't do them very often you'll be fine I was always intrigued let's say about this one because it was it's not that long ago really that Tony Khan was talking about no I'm not going to have blood on TV like going against the like headshots with chairs and things and like toning down violence and now two weeks in a row we've had the Texas death match that ended in a guy getting chokeslammed off the ring to the outside through two tables and two barbed wire boards to this with the pizza cutter and the stabbing him in the forehead with a piece of glass and uh <laughs> hurricane rider glass uh, breaking from the top rope stuff so they kind of escalated this pretty quickly from a company that has once said they're not going to put blood on tv but as soon as that Domino's thing hit and went all over Twitter, it was just too perfect a moment to not go viral. And I knew as soon as that happened, I was like, Domino's are not going to be happy with this. Because <laughs> if you think you're a family-friendly pizza delivery like company, <laughs> and then all of a sudden your picture is all over the internet next to a guy slicing a dude's forehead open with a pizza cutter, you're not going to be very happy about this, are you? <laughs> 
I genuinely don't know if there's anything that could have been worse in that moment in terms of like John's windows and doors is the only thing I can think of as uh, he's getting hurricane rod off the top rope. But yeah, no great. You buy one, you get one free. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Sunderland's got the uh, national glass center. They could have just put like a little ticker across the bottom. And if you like this, you can come and see our fabulous displays. You can make your own thing to smash over Nick Gage's head. Um, I, 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 so I don't know if this is already an old take. I have a feeling that they're gonna um, make hay with this. You know, um, it, it's AW are smarter than to just leave it and to not have it be mentioned. It's going to be a bit of an elephant in the room, I think, on on Dynamite or at very least something like being the elite. You know, they'll they'll absolutely play with this. Um, I could just see them like the young bucks stuffing like three thousand Domino's boxes into a giant cracker barrel. And being like, well, I never like these guys anyway. You know, something playful. And then there's a way to reference it on Dynamite. Um, Chris Jericho, like MJF can be livid because his bonus is going to be cut because some of his money was in the structure of the Domino sponsor. <laughs> and he says, I'm going to extract a check from you, Chris Jericho, and it's going to be soaked. It's going to be signed with your own blood, that sort of thing. Um, you know, they like the alliteration, blood feud payoffs. So there's going to be some sort of, I don't know, like pepperoni passion match or something like that where like pizzas just getting thrown in people's face I don't think they'll throw this away ultimately and another if they're canny with it they'll get on the phone and they'll find a sponsor who is happy to step in in the place of Domino's and take that spot I said on the news today with with Andy that Papa John's is is MDK all in day so Uh, what a match to choose to go to picture and picture for though, as well. Like there is absolutely nothing that they could have done in that picture and picture during that match that would have made any of those advertisers happy, surely. Yeah, you either <laughs> like you should have seen this coming. Yeah, you either have the advertiser get pissed off because someone's getting sliced up one way or another, like you say, light tubes or whatever it may be, whilst their little <laughs> advert plays, or in the midst of a death match. There you go. Just a bit of a chin lock there. Just uh... yeah, it's it's never come up, has it? Because there's no such thing as a company called Boring Transition Holds. Get your boring transition holds. (laughs) Is that next to our image? Never once come up. They talked about this with Andy as well, uh, Hamflet. 1.1 million, like a point four two, I think it was in the 18th. It was very close to Raw's rating in the in the demos, for example. I think a lot of us, myself included, presumed. Yeah, they'll do the death match stuff. It's pretty ghoulish and they'll get new eyes on it, but it might scare a fair few people off. And maybe I've seen this discussed quite a lot over the last week or so. Maybe this presumption that death matches, hardcore matches, whatever you want to call them, lots of blood effectively would scare people off is actually the opposite. And people have been crying out for it for so long that they may even flock to it. It's ghoulish, as I say, but it is sort of playing out in the numbers. Yeah, I, um, we talked about this a bit on the Dynamite review. I'm not so sure how much of this um, back-to-back weeks of these matches, the big build to Blood and Guts, and I know there's other examples, it's just these three that spring to mind, um, are so much of an accident. We are aware of how... Look, we as fans are able now to pour over the quarter hours. Imagine the data that AEW got to play with. Data's Tony Khan's background. They've got Chris Harrington there, who like makes spreadsheets sexier than supermodels. Like They've got <laughs> so much to use to try and make as many and not even educated guesses, like make some educated plans as to how to lay out a TV show, as to who to push, 
as to what like feature what, how much time to feature in programs and stuff like that and yeah the choices about death matches often are really anecdotal you might read conversations between people that like them and people that don't and think there's no place for it on television or think there's no place for it at the hours with which AEW broadcasts even if they're in the second hour and obviously that's a little bit later on um but it may not be something they want to broadcast because what you're effectively saying is once a week we're going to mutilate some guys because it turns out numbers um but maybe that's a conversation that's being held backstage and they need to find clever ways to present it. Maybe that old adage that because the excesses of the Attitude Era, at least for a while, made people really desensitised to excessive violence, blood, things like that. Maybe that's come back around again and it's not something WWE are going to touch. So it's free reign for AEW as a television company. I know there's GCW and I know there's like independence and niche concerns that are going to do this sort of thing. But as a mainstream North American company with two hours of valuable television time, if nobody else is doing this, maybe this is a gap that they're going to continue to exploit. Um, it was probably born from them wanting to put blood and guts on television, from wanting to sell you a pay-per-view with an exploding barbed wire death match and talk about that match on television. They've made this part of their branding. It's not for everybody. A lot of the time, it's not for me. Um, but the numbers aren't lying when they, when it comes to this sort of stuff. So they they're gonna you know they're gonna follow the money and they're gonna chase it until it runs out and then they'll find the next thing and do that. Phil, did you have the experience uh, like me watching that death match, thinking well, it's Nick Gage, so he's not going to be you know <laughs> just a WWE style no DQ match, for example. But do you think oh maybe they're going to do a slightly watered down version with maybe one light tube spot or whatever, and then suddenly it just, oh boy, it really escalated in those final five minutes. Yeah, I thought generally that they'd work, especially with Jericho being involved as well. Like you knew it wasn't going to be just a pure like um, GCW or like mm. um, that kind of style, just deathmatch for the sake of deathmatch kind of match. Um, so I assumed they were going to work a bit more and sort of build to stuff, but it was, like it wasn't even like a slow burner of a build, really. It was like start off, you kind of need him in the corner, and then they're like, "Well, he started off, he just sliced his arm open with the <laughs> yeah. That was the first thing they did in it. Uh, but then he like did the knee in the corner, and you're like, "Okay, this is where the slow build is." And then it's like, "Oh no, he's just gone to get light tubes," and then that, that was it, and then off they go. So I, gen- I really assumed they weren't going to be quite as Nick Cage as they were. Um, but I think, yeah, like, like we say, there's a time and a place for it. Personally. The things I don't like in death matches are the stuff like the uh, pizza cutter and the like stabbing people in the head with Ugh. glass. The stuff that it isn't spectacular; it's just a bit grim, <laughs> like the big bumps or whatever. I'm kind of fine with that stuff, but just stabbing someone in the head—that's not exactly for me. But there it was on TV. I've never been a fan of light tubes, and it was only made worse by that David Arquette documentary, which is great. Go and check. Yeah. It but it is just, it just makes you think, oh, things can go so wrong. I realise that they just normally just shatter and it makes that wonderful, you know, white mist effect effect, effectively. But, oh, I just, nah, nah, it's not for me. It's not for me, Jeff. Um, And yet, amazingly, despite all that, despite that show that they put on at Fight for the Ball and AW Dynamite still fill only the second best TV show of the week after SmackDown, which is not because of Roman Reigns for once. It's because of my new favourite character, and I sense possibly yours as well, Phil, Sad Baron Corbin. This redemption arc's incredible. 
the absolute best Baron Corbin has ever been. I love it. It's fantastic. He's playing it so well. Like he has just gone all in with this character. The whole like wearing the same shirt two weeks in a row, but just with different stains all over it. And just the whole thing with the bloody thing fired into his balls, like the whole uh, man hit with football kind of comedy. You're the one who shared the, the clip from Talking Smack that I saw as well on Twitter. Yeah, right? but that like afterwards, where it's like Kayla Braxton came up and interviewed him and just the way he played off, not only like his situation in life, but what she was doing to him in the first, like you bring, you come here, you bring all this up and then you're just going to leave. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? And like her promising to help him with, a, with his watching his shirt and stuff. It's fantastic. I absolutely love it. I have no idea where it's going to go from this point on. Like Kevin Owens is the first person to really start to take sympathy with him, I guess, even though it ended with <laughs> Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode stealing his money and laughing at him after he's been in the balls. Uh, but yeah, genuinely no idea where it's going, but I'm loving every minute of it. Yeah, we talked a fair bit about this on the, the SmackDown preview earlier, obviously, Hamlet, but it's a bit like, it's reminding me more and more about him in the, the King of the Ring where you were like, I think he'd just come off the back of like Constable Corbin, all that crap with like Seth Rollins and what have you. And then he just hit his stride and you were like, oh, there's there's the guy I remember. It's once he's given something to, to really get his teeth into, he, there is something there, isn't there? And it's one of those things where if you'd have told me six weeks ago, Baron Corbin after Roman Reigns is going to be one of your favourite things on Friday nights. I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah, they're just applying... Um... You know, it's a, it's a low bar in WWE sometimes, but what started with them applying a modicum of thought to a character is now them applying actual thought. And that I think that feels like the difference. Um, it was all a bit one note to begin with. Um, and that one note was on Rick Boog's guitar, which I wanted to shove up his arse when he was giving Baron Corbin grief. Um, but they've definitely developed this. You're watching it develop. It's it just, it's so, it's like seeing a unicorn or a, like, can machine in the desert or something when you see a character on main roster WWE television and you're like, oh, they've got some graft in there. And it, that's, <laughs> that's the feeling, that especially that one that like, Phil put about the Talking Smack promo, the point at which, and obviously with it being Talking Smack, you can flesh out daft stuff pretty much to your heart's content. But the idea of him smashing a can of food on a curb or whatever it was, just to be able to get something. And that's why it's, he's got like a second stain on his shirt. Those are these little added details that everybody's going to jump on. And then as long as they, as they did this week, continue to kind of fold that into the television presentation. I've got like measured high hopes over this. And it's still a bit of an arsehole. Like when he was doing the Corbin GoFundMe thing, he was like, obviously you people in Texas, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Was. And he was talking about, oh, is there anything worse? You know, waking up with no money and you're hearing, I think it was Charlotte or wherever it was. Phil, I hope you don't mind me sharing this. Hamlet said on the SmackDown preview, with a lot of caveats, that this is borderline sort of Chris Kresge writing from back in the day. It is like they have... I mean, I know they spend hours and hours and hours and hours working on these scripts for everything anyway, but they've spent it in the right areas on this one, let's say. Yeah, totally. And I think it's all it's all down to, like, Corbin just buying into this, like, mm. full... Like, if he didn't completely commit to this as a character, it just wouldn't work at all. And I think, like, going back through Corbin's stuff in the past, like, the amount of terrible, terrible stuff he's been given, like all the dog food stuff with Roman you can never say that he hasn't just committed to whatever it is, whatever crap they're throwing at him. He, like, puts his all into it, and it's not always been good, obviously. But this one, like, he just put, he just 
is this character he's just kind of become it like, and it's it makes all the difference and just the little touches and the fact that they're not throwing it down our throats that like he's a good guy now like you're still getting those little bits of like asshole peering, peeping through and I think they'll probably like simmer down throughout as the weeks go by and you can actually allow yourself to feel a little bit sorry for the character and it's 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 that as well like just allowing someone to slowly feel sorry for him instead of like suddenly turning around going feel sorry for this guy like straight away which is quite a lot what they've done in the past when they've done big character changes and stuff like this so it's just those little subtle things and the commitment behind it that's just allowing you to buy into it week over week and they're not just throwing like ramming it down your throats instantly going like this person now or whatever it is mm-hmm. it's yeah it's great i love it well, we may come back to, to Baron Corbin a little bit later on on the podcast. Uh, but Phil, I want to talk to you about the, the major NXT takeover developments. This week we saw uh, it's sort of been spoiled in advance because it's taped and what have you. But Dakota Kai turns on Raquel Gonzalez. That's the match we're going to get for the NXT Women's Championship at TakeOver uh, across SummerSlam weekend. What a weekend that's going to be, by the way. And uh, as well as that, of course, Phil... Samoa Joe now officially an in-ring competitor. He's going to be facing Karrion Cross for the NXT Championship. NXT's been a bit iffy, it's fair to say, as a weekly TV product. But that takeover is shaping up to be absolutely phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, they generally have a way of not, like building up to the takeovers. And no matter what's going on on the TV, you're at least a little bit excited about the shows. Um, and yeah, the return of Samoa Joe, is that, like, that's a big one. That's something we've been clamoring for for absolutely ages. And I mean, they've got to get the belt off Karrion Cross now because he's having the run of his life over on Raw. So you've got to make the most of that. <laughs> I can't believe that they were genuinely planning Hamlet. I'm not sure if you talked about this. On We're not talking about Raw this week because uh, me and Phil didn't contractually have to watch it for work. So we haven't. Um, <laughs> but I can't believe that they were actually going to have him lose again to Jeff Hardy until Jeff uh, obviously, unfortunately, got, I think it was COVID. Of course, we wish him well in his recovery. But yeah, jaw-dropping that they were going to do it for a second consecutive week off the back of the reaction that we saw the previous week. Yeah, really quite astounding. Um, possibly the only thing more astounding was was them saying, all right, we'll give him a win. We'll who against Keith Lee. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> I, there's, there's no saving anybody, ultimately. <laughs> uh, even Jeff Hardy, as soon as he's back, and we hope he recovers quickly, like he'll either be uh, going 50-50 with Carrion or getting his win just to lose again at a pay-per-view down the road or something like that. So all the lore of the Cross fans can be like, see, it was all about... Uh, and <laughs> losing 2-1 instead of losing one match. <laughs> um, by the hardy chance in NXT that we heard about, apparently that they had to reshoot bits of whatever it is that Karen crosses up to on next week's episode. Um, it's all a bit weird. Uh, Joe coming back is cool, I guess. That Joe winning is the play, which I wouldn't have expected to say had Karen Cross not been called up to Raw. I think it would have been an unpredictable, unpredictable match. I think you could have looked upon this as... Joe having a one and done and this authority figure storyline was set up for him to have one last in his mind takeover epic perhaps something like that now surely he's the favorite for the belt like carrying cross I'll say this for it's 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 not Triple H's fault it's funny that it's happened to him <laughs> position as NXT champion on NXT is untenable it is untenable um if you watch NXT odds are you are a hardcore because they're the last viewers left which means you also watch Monday Night Raw, which means you're fully aware of what happened to him. Um, and he's walking out there once a week to, and I know he beat Keith Lee, but it was pointless and inconsequential, but he's walking out there once a week wearing that NXT title. If Triple H can't control the booking of Karrion Cross on Raw, he can control him coming out wearing that belt. And Samoa Joe, not least because NXT's not 
wholly terrible, and they've gone to the trouble of setting up Samojo versus Adam Cole down the road as well. So if for nothing else, you put the belt back on Samojo, you make him the first three-time champion, and you say, well, Adam Cole wants to do something about that. And then you've got something else to point towards, and Cross is gone for good. Because, yeah, his position in NXT couldn't feel more fragile, a result of some, some booking so catastrophic. I think that's the most baffling thing about all this as well, is the fact that they did have him come out with the belt. And it's like NXT, like as much as, yeah, it's like developmental league kind of thing, whatever, like the whole, the natural course of a wrestler in NXT's career always used to be build up through the ranks, win the belt, lose the belt, move over to Raw or SmackDown. Like that was just the general course. And it's obviously changed in recent years with it being its own TV show. Yeah, but Phil but... Triple H, Triple H told us we all used to complain about that. So we must have hit. <laughs> that's true. But at the same time, this is a third TV show, an actual TV show on TV that gets ratings. And you're there on your most highest rated TV show saying that the champion of your own TV show is balls. Like, <laughs> you're just putting it out there. What, how is that making people go, oh, NXT, there's a thing I should watch? Absolutely not. As soon as you saw Karrion Cross come out on that wall, there's no way if you've not turned over, if you've not watched NXT before, that you are ever going to turn over to see that TV show if he's the kind of champion that they're putting out on TV. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe they thought his theme said ball and pray. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to just have to book him and like bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you think, oh, it's a pretty bad first day on the main roster, there was a podcast just this week that me and Hamlet did about shocking First days on the main roster for NXT stars, which you can go and check out right now. But before we move on, Phil, uh, just a quick word on Raquel Gonzalez and a big back. God, I love it. Uh, and her versus Dakota Kai. If he starts to, to life as NXT Women's Champion, but a match against Dakota Kai, I mean, it's been an open goal, obviously, with her being by her side. Oh, as long as I'm by your side, you're always going to be NXT Women's Champion, as Dakota Kai said. But, oh, it's just mouth-watering that prospect, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Very much excited for this. It's like a big... Like, yeah, one of the sort of bigger matches that they can put up with her for this title reign and sort of cement it pro- properly. Um, so very much looking forward to this one, definitely. I'd like to think as well, um, not just for the TV show, but especially because it's a takeover. I'd love it if it was out of the CWC. Yes. Um, they haven't confirmed yeah. either way yet. It's taking place following SummerSlam. But obviously, this is not one of them times where it can be in the same building because SummerSlam's in that stadium. Um, I mean... I- I don't know. I guess you could put the entirety of the CWC in four rows in uh, that Las Vegas stadium <laughs> and see what that looks like. We're all pretty much even ladies at this point. Um, but yeah, it'd be lovely if they announced a building for that. Um, could NXT, are they not doing that because maybe they're panicked that this version of NXT can't sell a building out right now? Possibly. But, um, you know, in the words of Shawn Michaels, you know, in DX in 1997, try, like actually try. <laughs> Um, find a, a smaller venue, uh, a, a nearby basketball gym or a high school gym or something like that. You can dress up bigger and lighter than the CWC and at least give these wrestlers something new to walk out to, some sort of reactions to be able to vibe off because I think it's going to help the show exponentially if they can. If they are somehow managing to sell tickets to Raw right now, then I'm sure they can <laughs> sell at least a few to an NXT exactly. takeover. Exactly. <laughs> I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to (laughs) pretend that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. 
Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Well, before we get to this week's hashtag bloody good quiz, uh, there's one final thing I want to talk to you both about. Uh, Hamlet, you and I are going to be talking in more detail about this on Sunday, this weekend's podcast. Uh, myself and Sidri talking about what needs to happen at AEW All Out uh, next month. Uh, and myself and Michael Hamlet talking more about Queen of the Ring. Looks more and more likely Phil Chambers to go down in October, start on SmackDown, stuff on Raw. The finals in Saudi Arabia. But regardless, the, the main point that we drilled down to the start of our podcast out on Sunday is just thank goodness is actually happening, I suppose, Phil. Yeah, it's been one of those things that, like ever since the sort of women's evolution and things like I personally wanted all along. I love a good King of the Ring tournament. It's, I don't know why they haven't done these things more because they're super easy TV to write. Surely it gives you loads of things built in that you can build to it. You can have qualifiers and the whole thing. Like you can get months worth of TV out of this and kill a lot of time with actual storylines and like that people are invested in because you know it's actually going somewhere. So why not do more of this? So I've wanted it for ages. Um, I just hope they at some point do another King of the Ring as well, but without the whole King gimmick. And that's the same with the Queen thing. We don't really need the Queen gimmick. Let's just have it as a tournament. They win the tournament. It's lovely. We move on to the next thing. Not everybody needs to be a King or, or a Queen. Yeah, it's a title shot, effectively, Hamlet. Yeah. Totally. It's, we, you know, I don't want to spoil some of the stuff we said in the podcast, but um, it's great for the winner. It's potentially great for the losers of every match in every round because every every sort of gap in that bracket reflects a different story that you can tell. You're not just dealing with one person that gets over out of this. You're potentially dealing with six or eight 
because of who people spin off into as a result of a loss in a match that actually means something. Bianca Belair has beaten Carmella on three consecutive SmackDowns. And before that, Liv Morgan beat Carmella twice, I think. Um, has Carmella suffered for any of that? No. Have Liv Morgan, has Liv Morgan like ascended in any way? No. Does Bianca Belair feel hotter as a champion? No. So a King of the Ring like, offers, what was that, like five, six matches or something? Uh, a Queen of the Ring tournament gives all of those matches, again, with complete strangers against one another in terms of storylines, stakes and meaning and value. Should be great. Should be absolutely brilliant. And there's going to be way more. I feel like there'll be real care and attention paid to it because they've made steps lately to try and fix problems with the, the women's division. And it'd be nice if their Queen of the Ring became something of a celebration of those fixes. Like, like Hamlet said there, Phil, you could just pick 16 names out of a hat from the female roster across Raw, SmackDown, NXT. And we talk about some people possibly even from NXT UK appearing in this. And you'd have to genuinely book it deliberately badly to make it not just this great, like you say, tournament with not only winners and losers, but storylines and, and, and everything breaking off, off from it. We even, I'll admit, Phil, maybe this will convince you to, to have a little listen on Sunday. We did talk about maybe some surprise entrance and yes, a wrestler with a, a first name that rhymes with a surname may have been mentioned. <laughs> a little bit excited. But Phil, if you had to pick right now a winner who isn't called Charlotte Flair, because I get it, <laughs> Queen, right? Not her. If you had to pick, you know, someone that maybe could use it, they all they they, they may give it to 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 maybe elevate them. Who would you go for? Uh, immediate names that spring up to mind is Liv Morgan because they've kind of just she's always been on the cusp of doing something and they've never really pulled the trigger for whatever reason. And I think she'd be really good in that situation. Naomi always brings to mind in all of these positions because she just she's just great and like pure baby face. Like you can have her get taken out by a heel at some point and then she fights through the injuries and things. Like these tournaments are really easy stories to tell. Why don't they do it more? Um, so either of those two or just Candy Slay because I just love Candy Slay. <laughs> Is it, just not, that's the only reason. <laughs> there's so much potential so long as you don't give it to Charlotte Flair, basically. Yes. <laughs> needs to be someone new, someone that hasn't got these kind of things before. But we do, we do feature her in our booking of that. So make sure you check out uh, our Queen of the Ring podcast that is going to come out on Sunday. And what needs to happen at All Out, that podcast with myself and Michael Sidgwick will be out tomorrow. But enough of all this. It's now time for a bloody good quiz. And this week's quiz is brought to you by 3D74 who well, breaks the rules a little bit in this week's uh, review associated with the hashtag bloody good quiz. Normally it's just like heaping praise on us and it's always very nice to see, but 3D74 writes, hello, what culture crew? Who do you think will be the first two-time AEW champion? Someone already with one title reign, Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, John Moxley, or maybe a champion who has yet to win it like Hangman Page or MJF. Phil, what do you reckon? First two-time AEW champion. Oh, tough one. My mind immediately went to <coughs> um, Hangman Page just because the idea of his chase for the belt and everything is so great that he, when he finally reaches that top point, he like wins the belt and it's the best thing in the world. And then like he does that on a pay-per-view and then the next week on, or on Dynamite or something, something happens. He 
gets cheated out of it and he loses it and it's like a really really short reign and then you have to have that whole rebuild of that arc back up to the top again so then when he finally gets his long reign i think that's the most interesting story that you can tell with it and fits in with the hangman page character the best and he's probably better as a guy who's chasing a belt rather than holding a belt anyway i'm gonna go with john moxley enjoying his second reign as a heel Ooh. They say that the best characters are just your real life selves turned up to 11, and he has just had a child. So <laughs> expect a very tired, <laughs> angry man to feature regularly on Dynamite uh, every week for the next, well, just 18 minimum, they tell you, years. Um, and then they might have another, they might have another, and then Christ, they're going to have to put the TNT title on them as well. So yes, I'll go with John Moxley as it is, but legitimately. I think he's been getting a little angrier of late. Mm. And the next big feud he's got is with Hiroshi Tanahashi. And there's no way he's going to be baby-faced in that. And I wonder if this is a just, you know, the first murmurings of them experimenting with John Moxley. And he's great at everything, so he'll probably master that as well. Yeah, very rude of me. I forgot to ask you, Phil, about your thoughts on Tanahashi and Hoovy coming to AEW, potentially. <laughs> um, yeah, Tanahashi's mad, amazing. As soon as that popped up, it's just incredible. Who the WCPW guy? Another tick onto that list. <laughs> we made him. He wasn't WCW at all. <laughs> He's just another WCPW guy that we put on top of the world. <laughs> uh, and in answer to 3D74's question, it's going to be my best friend, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Uh, who like gives give the title belt to someone else for a bit and then just take it back because he's the greatest. Uh, but thank you to 3D74 for that question. If you weren't your name associated with a hashtag bloody good quiz, and all you need to do is subscribe to What Culture Wrestling and leave us a five-star review on there. But as promised, gents, this week's quiz is about the best wrestler in wrestling right now. It's about Baron Corbin. It's about Baron Corbin, lads. Um I found a very good quiz. Uh Written by one Adam Wilborn. Uh, hey. <laughs> Loads of great, great, and I've, I've added some more questions to it because it was, well, it was written. The, the subheading, I, I like a good pun, Quiztable God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You love a good pun, Wilborn. A good pun. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. One day I'll get there, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> like, like questionable Corbin, couldn't you? Because the quizzes have got questions in, and he's a questionable character <laughs> as well. He's a in. Money in the quiz. Stubble bit and just like gambled on gamble on how people would read that I saw it quickly. <laughs> Fatal for quiz. <laughs> it's really root one, my writing for whatculture.com, but there's loads of great quizzes <laughs> up there right now if you want to take part. Uh, but usual rules, gents, 10 questions, multiple choice, shout your name, wait for me to come to you. But most importantly of all, it's just for Fun. Okay. Question number one <laughs> about Baron Corbin. Who did Baron Corbin say was his wrestling influence growing up? Was it Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Harley Race, or Bob Backlund? Hamford. Bill. Ooh. Hamford just got in there before. I'll go with Bob Backlund. It's not Bob Backlund. Phil, over to you. I was going to go with Harley Race. Is the correct answer. Here we go. Going down, Hamlet. 
I've heard the winner is the king. It's <laughs> <laughs> just for fun, but it sounds to me. If, so hang on, if I lose this, am I going like dirt poor and broke? <laughs> are you? Are you reminding me? I meant to say something before. I was at a wedding last weekend, Hamlet, mm. and uh, one of my friends from school I haven't seen in ages was there, uh, and he's got two beautiful daughters, but they're now sort of maybe like eight, ten, something like that. So, like you say, you're, you're getting to that point where you. I mean, you still have to worry about him as a parent, but you have to worry about him less. Yeah, yeah his wife's pregnant again. And it's oh, my God. Seeing his eyes, it's starting all over again. Oh, Jesus. I am... Um, it's too personal for us, the culture. <laughs> I'm scared of getting the you-know-what. Like, and I shouldn't be. They give you whatever it is they give you. But, like, I hear stories like that. And I heard another one very recently, very, very similar. And I uh, was like, uh, like, pandemic's nearly over getting you know what booked in and I was just anti-scared. <laughs> <laughs> this needs to happen big time like because I oh my god <laughs> I think I've said this before haven't I like I, I love my kids and I always feel like I need to caveat that because sometimes I'm maybe a bit critical of fatherhood and the difficulties but it almost like me dropping that into the work slack thread is like the easiest pop I never want to get <laughs> because I can hear the room going up already at the prospects of a conflict having another kid <laughs> but it's the one I don't want ever and I never want to get a pop for that I want to pull out the Sidgwick pop when he has to do it or something like that <laughs> <laughs> good luck to your friend anyway if he's listening it, um, it sounds amazing all the very best right question number two, question two. <laughs> which NFL team did Baron Corbin sign for in 2009 was it the Indianapolis Colts, the New England Patriots, the Denver Broncos, or the Dallas Cowboys? Phil. I'm going to let Phil have that one. Uh, was it the Colts? Go Colts, greatest NFL team. It was indeed. It didn't last very long, I've got to be honest. <laughs> okay, let's move on to, to happier times for Baron Corbin. Question number three, two nil to Phil. Who did Corbin last eliminate to win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania 32? Was it R-Truth, Kane, Jack Swagger, or the big... Kane. It was Kane that he eliminated. Okay, question number four. Four, yes. Where are we? There we go. Question number four. Who handed Baron Corbin his first main roster loss? Was it AJ Styles, Rusev, Dolph Ziggler, or John Cena? I'm flip. Because it was his first feud, I'm going to think the 50 50 him and say Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> it was Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, okay. Question five. How long was Baron Corbin's title match when he cashed in money in the bank? Was it? You four really love these questions. Four seconds, six seconds, eight seconds, or 10 seconds? Yeah, you're working out cashing on Jim. Bill. Go on, Jim. Uh... Let's go with eight seconds. It's not eight seconds. Ah. 
What was B, Wilbon? Uh, six seconds. So six seconds. It's quick. An old quiz. You know it's going to be one of the two yeah. middle ones. It was <laughs> six seconds. Busying himself with getting rid of John Cena. Do you remember yeah. that? I, I saw that randomly a while back. Do you remember there was that period where people were like, oh, no, they're going to do some storyline because Jinder's foot was underneath the ropes. And then they just went, nope, he's lost the briefcase because he talks online, basically. Goodbye. Great times. Didn't he? Um, I think he spoke up about WWE's questionable concussion protocols because he had experience from it in football. And they were like, do you want to, do you want to shut up, mate? You want to, uh, you know, put people into a frenzy about very serious head injuries. <laughs> at least at least Sandow, they were trying to pop a rating, I think I've heard him say before. That one they just went, say, yeah, so you'll you'll cash in tonight and fail. Yeah. Uh, but you'll get a match with Cena at SummerSlam. Oh, cool. Will he take it seriously? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna put a cowboy hat on. Uh okay. <laughs> Question six. Uh it's not all been bad news. What WWE award did Corbin win at the end of 2018? Was it most annoying? Worst GM, most hated, or best haircut? Well, oh, what year was it? 2018. 2018. When did he get his haircut? <laughs> uh, was it that early? I'll go with haircut. It's not best ah! haircut. <laughs> what were the other options, please? Yeah. Uh, most annoying, worst GM, or most hated? I'll go most annoying. He was the most hated ah. <laughs> WWE Year End Awards, I believe. That... Remember went, that was that around the time where Seth Rollins was coming out and being like, you see the roll rate is horrendous and it's all your fault. <laughs> not fake. Okay. Uh, question seven. Who didn't Baron Corbin face in King of the Ring? He became King Corbin, and then it all went wrong because he was buying bloody cars and houses and all that bollocks, unless he in Bitcoin. Uh, who didn't he face? The Miz, Cesaro, Cedric Alexander, or Ricochet? Pamphlet. I'll try the Miz. First round opponent was the Miz. Ooh, well, that's what I was going to say too. What were the other ones? Uh, Cesaro, Cedric Alexander, or Ricochet. I do not remember any of his matches, by the way. So if this is wrong, because I've just seen a graphic that someone's made on Buddy 2K online, I apologise. But I literally only remember the Chad Gable part of it all. <laughs> Cedric Alexander. He did face Cedric Alexander. Ah. He didn't face Cesaro, who is there, the other side of the raw bracket. Uh, he faced Samoa Joe and Ricochet in the raw finals. And they... Ricochet was the only one I could picture. Yeah. I think they just went off and did some bollocks with them two instead. And then obviously he faced Chad Gable. Okay. No points for either of you on that one again. Uh, still 3 2 to Hamlet. Question eight. Sort of busting something that's going on right now, but still. How much is Baron Corbin allegedly paid per year? This is this is just his pay. This isn't like king pay or any of that bollocks, okay? Is it $285,000, $385,000, $485,000, or $585,000 a year? Phil, why not? I will go Baron Corbin. 
see the 485,000. Not 485,000. I'm going to have to go B because I would have guessed C too. And I cannot live in a world where Baron Corbin's on over half a million dollars a year. <laughs> so I'll go with the second option. It's not $385,000. It is only two hundred and eighty-five. That's a pittance. What makes? I mean, only two hundred and eighty. What's that? Let's have a look. Dollars, two pounds. Let's see how much that is. Two hundred and eighty-five thousand. That's only two hundred thousand. Two hundred five thousand pounds a year. Yeah, it's nothing. That's what I'm on. <laughs> right, question nine. Two questions to go. Uh, three, two to Hamlet. What was Corbin forced to sell on SmackDown recently? Was it his Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal trophy thing, his watch, his wrestling boots, or his wedding ring? Hamlet. Was it his boots? It wasn't his boots. Uh, see, wedding ring sounds like a thing WWE would do, but he has made a big deal out of his watch in the past. So I'm going to go with the watch. He's the right decision to make. Phil Chambers, he sold his watch to Dolph Ziggler. Uh, I think, if I remember, it was like, this watch is worth $40,000. I'll give it you for 35000 And Dolph went, 10000 He went, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> And then Dolph stole some more money after he got hit in the cock uh, by Shotzi and Knox fixing <laughs> last week. Right, it's come down to the final question, which is my favourite question as well. Here we go. Three each. Who is the biggest Baron Corbin fan and who's going to go destitute? Okay, seven things, at least on my computer, come up when you Google is Baron Corbin dot, dot, dot. I want you to tell me the one thing that didn't pop up when I Googled is Baron Corbin. I wonder if this will say more about Baron Corbin or your search history. <laughs> yeah, I'll point out none of these were like, you know, they go like purple when you've searched it before. I've never searched is Baron Corbin anything. Apparently. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I want the one that didn't show up. Is Baron Corbin a good wrestler? Is Baron Corbin bald? Is Baron Corbin married? Is Baron Corbin related to Bray Wyatt? Which of those <laughs> don't come up when you Google is Baron Corbin? Phil, the Bray Wyatt one, surely. I was shocked too. That does come up. <laughs> oh, I, wasn't ready. I wasn't even ready to still have a dog in this fight. What are the options? I was certain that was it. Is Baron Corbin a good wrestler? Is Baron Corbin bald or is Baron Corbin married? Hmm. It's changed now. I mean, I know these Google things are weird. If you know who he is, you're going to know. I'll go with the bald one because you see him. He's there, isn't he? That's the one thing you wouldn't need to Google. Is Baron Corbin bald? I'm so sorry, Phil. You have to go destitute and eat cans of food and live in... There it is. Is Phil. Baron Corbin does not come up. Do you want me to read you the top seven as they as he Google yeah, it? I want, I want Phil to take all the money he's got, buy back his boat, and then get it around my house because it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is Baron Corbin a good wrestler? That's top top. <laughs> <laughs> 
is Baron Corbin married? Is Baron Corbin a nice guy? Then again, for some reason, is Baron Corbin a nice guy in real life? <laughs> just, just to clarify, just to clarify, is Baron Corbin still wrestling? <laughs> is Baron Corbin a heel? Is Baron Corbin related to Bray Wyatt? Well, I can report in appropriate search terms. I might have to report that last one. <laughs> Congratulations, Michael Hanford. Tell you what, though, you may have stumbled into a great idea for a quiz with that last question. Yeah, because you only see those videos where, like, John Cena asks, answers Google's mm. questions. I yeah. might, that might be next week's quiz, which I'll inevitably forget. So, I think you could turn that into a video on YouTube, that one as well. I like it. Hang on. Hey, was well, that an office quiz, Phil? Yeah. Getting back I think there. There's something in there. We need a good title for it, but yeah, I think there's something there. Is Adam Wilborn getting her in on a visa? What's that about? <laughs> I don't know what that's about. Oh, God, yeah. Oh. I just did. Is Simon Miller Goldberg's son? <laughs> Is that the t- <laughs> I just thought, I'll just see generally. One thing comes up. Is what culture legit brilliant? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, are we? Well, yeah, I'll save you Googling. Yep. Too legit to quit. <laughs> uh, but congratulations, Michael Hamblett. You're the biggest Baron Corbin fan. And uh, <laughs> Phil, uh, I'll have that watch next time I see you. And, <laughs> and yeah, you have to live on beans and, I don't know, getting shot in the dick for us. But who's that? We're all back in the office you for your dinner when people are saying, like, oh, do you want anything from town? Uh, nobody's allowed to buy you a tin opener. You've got to smash those tins open on the side of the street. <laughs> uh, I said this to, I said this to Hamlet earlier on a SmackDown preview, Phil. After Reigns, Cena and Balor, <laughs> that's the thing I'm most interested in. No offence to Bianca Belair. <laughs> this week. Yeah, fair. What world are we in right now that this is actually happening with him? Anyway, uh, right, let us know your thoughts on that, how you got on the quiz, everything we've discussed on Twitter, uh, at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, watch there, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Phil Chambers at... Phil My Chambers. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. He's back. He's got, he's got his food. He's got his food. Look, I have a very tight window with which to eat on a Friday before I pick my children up and we have nothing in the house. I am at Michael Hamster and I can only apologise for that, but I'm very excited about my chicken kebab and you can follow Adam Wilborn. Oh, oh <laughs> I'm so jealous. Uh, at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And as I said earlier, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, we'll be doing the SmackDown review for you on Monday, of course. But over the weekend, uh, you have uh, what needs to happen at AEW All Out with myself and Michael Sidgwick. And on Sunday, a wider discussion about Queen of the Ring with myself and Michael Hamper. But this has been Wrestle Culture. My thanks again to 3D74, if you want your name associated with a bloody good quiz. What Culture Wrestling on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. My thanks to my guests, Phil Chambers and Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Wrestling. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.